I really like who I am in this company, and I like who I continue to become from the influences that I have and almost the permission to, to live the life that, of, you know, true to my values. It's almost like the company gives me permission to do that. I don't, I don't feel like I need to sacrifice any values for what I do here. And that's something that, that I love that's really important to me. Justin Ludwig has had a wide range of experiences during his 15-plus years with Cutco Vector. He was a top performer as a sales rep and branch manager who naturally progressed into the district manager position. He had the experience of being recruited away from the business for a short time before returning to become better than ever and advancing now to the role of division manager in Western New England. Justin's core values are represented by the acronym FIRE. In this conversation, he shares these four concepts and details how he brings these values to everyone on his team. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm here with Justin Ludwig today, who is the division manager for Western New England in the Cutco Vector Marketing Sales Organization. His time with Cutco goes back to December of 2005. He started with the legendary Michael Cassetta. Yes, no relation to me. That other guy spells his name wrong, but uh, that's where Justin started. Justin had a great personal sales career during college, sold over $250,000 personal sales, ran a branch in 2008, became a DM in 2009. Justin had a short spell away from the business in 2014, came back with a vengeance and was promoted to division manager in 2020. His division encompasses parts of Connecticut, Western Massachusetts, and Vermont. He has produced over $8.5 million in Cutco sales. Justin Ludwig, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dan. Excited to be here. Yes. Very good. Well, take us back to 2005, man, and how you started out selling Cutco. Yeah. So I got a. I actually got a random message on Facebook from Mike Cassetta himself. He was uh, messaging through my high school. He'd worked with some people, worked with some of my friends. I didn't even know it at the time. And, you know, I was broke as a joke and needed to make some money. And <laughs> I responded and started over my winter break. I had some other jobs that I'd worked, you know, pretty consistently through high school. And they didn't have any hours available over winter break. 
I honestly started thinking this was going to be a two week job over my over my break. I was you know playing sports and had to go back pretty early. And after my first couple of weeks, loved it, had a ton of fun, liked everybody in the office. It was a great experience. So uh, I decided, hey, I actually asked Mike, I was like, can I come back in the summer? He's like, yeah, dude, we want you. We want you back in the summer. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I uh, came back in the summer and in March, he called me and said, hey, you know, would you want to be a part-time assistant manager? So I already felt like I was making big moves and came back as assistant manager and the rest is kind of history. I just stayed, loved it, continued going through, you know, basically every step in the company at this point. So, yeah, Uh, you got a Facebook message in December of 05. That's like the first year of Facebook right there. Yeah. Like the original social media recruit. (laughs) You (laughs) You might be the first for sure. Yeah, that's cool. What were some of the early experiences that stand out to you during the rep or assistant manager days? Yeah. So, you know, starting off, it's funny because, you know, I was like, I didn't even think I was going to be good at this. I went to school for teaching. I went to school for being a physical education teacher because I just knew that I didn't want to be in an office. I knew I didn't want an office job. I knew I didn't want to be in like a uh, cubicle all cooped up. Sports were really important to me. And then, you know, I got the sales rep position where I'm, you know, uh, you know, back then it was traveling around, talking to customers, and it was exciting to me. I mean, it was like a sport. I treated this like a sport. It was like I was competing with myself with, you know, am I making the base pay? Am I making the commission pay? And like every week I'm like, I got to make more. And there was just like a natural energy there that was just kind of fun. But one of the, I would say in terms of lessons, you know, one of the lessons would be how to be positive. And I actually was talking to Owen Trapp the other, just a few weeks ago about positivity. And, and I'm a pretty negative person, Dan. Like I, a lot of people get kind of surprised when they hear that because I would say, and this is what I said to Owen, I'm like, being friendly is not hard for me, but being positive is really hard for me. And mm-hmm. uh, like, I, I love being around people and being friendly. And, you know, I don't mind, I can definitely be upbeat but the way that my mind works, I look for problems. I look for, you know, like, a, I don't know a better way to put in that, but look for problems. And I'm kind of negative in, in a way of, you know, always feeling slighted. And, you know, in Vector, we do a lot of recognition. And I used to get just angry in recognition when it wasn't, <laughs> when people were beating me. I'm like, what the heck? You know, like, it would just make me angry. I was never like, good for you, bro. Like, way to go. Like it was, it was just upsetting. So Mike actually had to, he had a lot of patience with me. It's funny looking back, we're always like, you know, when I, when I was a brand new rep, I was great at everything, but no, Mike had a lot of patience with me, you know, just uh, teaching me to be positive and teaching me how to process things. Like, you know, if a customer even, you know, returned something, or if I got a cancellation, or if a customer said no to a presentation during a phone jam, and, you know, just teaching me how to react more positively, that positivity is hard for me. And Mm -hmm. so that was a really good lesson. I think that has stuck with me for a long time of how to react positively. And I can feel the negativity tugging, but it's like, now at least I have the angel on the shoulder being like, there's another way of looking at this. You know, I actually learned this might be this is for for lessons, I learned that you can actually get energy at work, which that was kind of uh, uh, something that also inspired me to, to stay here 
is that growing up, I just always viewed work as this thing that you have to do. It's just thing that's draining. Like you get home from work and it's like, uh, thank God I'm not at work anymore. And you know, when I was working here, it was like I would get home and I was just it was it was a fun day. So it's like I'm in a better mood because I worked. And there were a lot of days that I felt better after work than from a day off, which was was fun. And I mean, I would say those are those are some of the the lessons. And you know, stepping into an assistant manager role and just leadership in general. So I played sports my entire life, but I was never a captain of anything. And that's kind of something that it's like I wish I was a captain, right? And so stepping into leadership, I mean, learning that you don't just get named a leader, right? Because I think that's probably something that I expected to happen when I was an athlete or like in high school. And I played sports even through college. And in high school, it's like you, you show up, you work really hard, you do the best you can, but that doesn't just make you a leader. Sure, you can lead by example, but there are also other things that I realized looking back, it's like, was I positively influencing the team? Was I holding other people to standards? That there's a reason I wasn't named captain, even if I felt deserving of it. And so those are some of the lessons I'd say I learned at an early early age, you know, from Vector and from Mike himself. That's great. I love the lesson of getting energy at work. And I think it really ties in, Justin, to your the negative tendency that you described that you sort of came into Vector with. Because when you have that, but you're around people that are positive, you feel better. And when you feel better, you have more energy. And so I think that you know, you were exposed to a lot of really, really cool people here at Vector that have had that positive impact on you. And that's what, you know, gives you that energy to be at work. The description you gave of yourself of, you know, having the negative tendencies, being uh, sort of critical at first, uh, having a difficult time with positivity. I bet that describes a lot more people than we would think. Because when we get to know people in Vector, they've been around the positive atmosphere. They've had the chance to experience a little bit of a transformation in that area that you experienced. And so we see all of our Vector peers and colleagues as like these great examples of being positive, right? But they don't, you know, we don't really see the early days of somebody. Yeah. You know, who's coming to my mind right now is Kyle Lopes. Uh, if he's listening to this, he's just going to burst out laughing right here. But he was a punk when he was a kid in my office. And he was he always said the wrong thing in front of reps. He had that, that very critical tendency to like look for what's wrong. And just sometimes that's somebody's perspective as they've grown up for whatever reason. They've sort of trained their mind in that manner to see what they can fix or whatever. And maybe there's some really good intentions to it as well. But, you know, he didn't handle it very well as a young rep. And it was something I had to constantly pull him aside and work on, much in the same way that you described that Michael did with you. And now, if any of Kyle's reps are listening to this, they're probably going to be thinking like, what? That guy's the most positive guy I know. Like, he's amazing. He's an inspiration. And he learned that much the same way that you did. And I think that that's a cool example to share that people can sort of learn how to adapt themselves and have a more positive focus. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a very valuable trait. Anything you can tell us about working with uh, a young Michael Cassetta? Anything else that would be fun for people to hear? 
he's the man. I mean, I tell Mike all the time, I'm just proud to know you. <laughs> I'm like, uh, he's definitely, you know, I'm, I'm a father of three now. My wife and I have three children, so I don't really have too much time to really like catch up with anybody, but I, I love getting time. Anytime I get a chance to, to talk to Mike or recently we had a trip to Miami, I, I visited Mike, went out to dinner and, uh, He's got so much energy, so much confidence. He's literally like a magnet, right? When you think about somebody who's who's got a magnetic personality, and you know, working with with Mike, like I just always wanted to get time with him. You know, I wanted to have time with him. I wanted to learn from him, and you know, I still do. I mean, he's just such a, a great mentor of mine. And I mean, anyone who listens to this podcast, they know Mike went to Harvard, and he is like the most intelligent person that I've ever met. No offense, Dan. I'm sure you're you're probably maybe plus one. I don't, I, I just don't talk to you as often, but I'm just like extremely fortunate to have worked with him. And the reason I say that, by the way, is every time he would bring up anything, we would look it up. It would be right, right? It, it would be like I'm going to school for phys ed. I would be taking anatomy and physiology classes. This guy graduated with economics from Harvard. He would be like, oh yeah, like the synaptic club. Like what? Like he would just talk about something and be accurate about it. I'm like, how do you know these things? But he just had so much energy. And I mean, working with Mike, he expected a lot out of people. He taught me he taught me how to hold people to standards without being mean or seeming like a jerk. Mm. Right? He had extreme work ethic. I mean, I remember, you know, uh, I was in a, I was coming back to help out for winter break. And I remember him. I mean, his family's really important to him. So I always saw him like have his values. And I remember him coming into the training the day after Christmas. And he didn't like come in, like we came in and I was like, man, you always beat us to the office. He's like, I slept here last night, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> you slept, like, you're just kidding, right? He's like, no, legitimately. Like I was at my family's house. By the time I was home, it was like, you know, 1230. I didn't want to be late. Like I slept in the office, like we're, we're getting it, you know? And he just, he had so much energy all the time. He just demanded it of himself, you know? And I'm sure behind closed doors, he was like tired as heck, but like, I just never saw that. And he is actually the first person to really teach me some financial skills that I remember. I'm sure people tried to teach me financial skills, but, you know, working with Mike, he was like my first real mentor. So like, whatever he said, I'm like, oh yeah. And, you know, he started teaching me financial stuff and that meant a lot to me. And there are so many lessons. It's really hard to describe all the ones that it was, you know, that I got from Mike or what it was like working with Mike. But I mean, he was just fun. He made things fun, but you you wanted to be on his good side. You wanted to impress him. And he just had that presence, if that if that makes sense. So he was somebody that was like, I'll follow this guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love getting people to think about, you know, who have been among the best leaders they've worked with and what was it about them that you would most want to emulate because I think it gets all of us to think about how can we take those qualities, take those skills, apply them in our own life and be that person for others. And I think that's a great thing any listener can think of is, you know, all the leaders you've worked with, right? Who stands out and why, and how can you apply those traits to your own life? Michael, of course, as you reference went to Harvard. He worked with us for about 12 years through and after college. And then he's gone on to become a top executive at some of the biggest companies, a couple of the biggest companies in, in the United States and right now with Compass Real Estate. And you were lucky to have had a chance to work with him. And, and now your reps are lucky to be working with you and gaining the insights that you've learned from Mike and others uh, that you're bringing to the table. 
what made you want to be a vector manager? Working with Mike, <laughs> probably, you know, to be honest with you, it's probably, probably working with Mike. And initially, I didn't really question it. Like some people, you know, I, I listen to this podcast, I hear about people's stories, I talk to people who became managers, and they're like, you know, I interviewed around and I was looking. And, uh, you know, I remember like Earl Kelly shares his story about like, you know, I was, I, I was interviewing around asking people about finance jobs, I was asking about the company culture, people are like, you don't have company culture, they use you, you use you use them. And uh, for me, like, I went to school for teaching, I'm a licensed teacher in the state of Massachusetts. And I just knew, hey, for, for a little bit out of college, I'm going to be a district manager. It's funny that Jeff Gamboa actually now has this training for social media assistance where he talks about career path and he talks about the district manager opportunity being a well-paid teaching opportunity. And when he said that, I'm like, yeah, that is totally why I liked being a district manager. I'm still working with students. I love working with students, making a difference for people. But it's lucrative. It's fun. I get to build a team around me. And my mom even questioned, like, are you sure you want to, you want to sell knives still? Like you went to school for teaching. What about your teaching degree? Right. And I'm like, well, mom, you don't get it. Like this is, it's helping. Trust me. Right. It's, this is, this is right. I got to tell you, by the way, after I went branch, that was, that was challenging. That was probably the most challenging thing that I'd ever done because I just kind of expected, you know, it was my first introduction to like real leadership of other people where I'm like responsible for making sure that other people are getting everything done. And that was a huge learning experience. Even though I'd been with Mike as a manager for a while, that was the first time I was like totally on my own. So what's funny is immediately after my branch summer, I was like, I don't want to do that. Uh, I don't want to manage. I just I just want to sell this stuff, right? I make a lot of money selling. I did okay as a branch, and I was still profitable. And I, you know, I made like you know twelve thousand or fourteen thousand that summer still. So it was pretty. It was a pretty nice summer. But then you know I went through kind of management training again, and I was like, wow, I screwed that up. I screwed that up. I screwed. Up. I need another chance. So there was a short moment that I didn't actually want to continue as a manager in Vector, but. I would say part of it was pride. Like, I know I could figure this out. Like, I know I could do this. Like, I, I can be freaking great here. So part of it was pride. But another part of it was like, I, I, just, I just knew Vector was going to be like the next step for me, like continuing and getting into the next step. And, you know, I think it's because I just saw like Mike was really happy. He had a lot of energy. He liked what he did. He got to work with great people. It seemed like he really loved his coworkers. He loved what he was doing. He had, you know, it was like a thriving culture and organization. And I just never questioned it. And I just decided, hey, I, this this is what I want to do. I love what you said about uh, the quote from Jeff Gambo about district manager is a well-paid teaching opportunity. We get to do exactly what teachers do in connecting with people and building relationships and investing ourselves into them and you know sharing insights and ideas and helping keep them accountable and all those things but our pay is based on the results that get created and the better we get at what we do the more results we can create the more income we can make so we have a lot more direct control over being able to earn more versus just you know getting slight raises because you're stuck around for five years or 10 years or 15 years so that is pretty cool. 
Uh, and it was good that uh, that reflection of Mike and being happy and energetic was uh, was something that you wanted that you wanted to do. I know that you know you've always felt like impacting people was important to you. And in your district manager role, how have you felt about that aspect of being a DM, being able to impact people? How do, how do you manifest that in your, in your day-to-day role these days? I wish I could say it's a conscious, like I come into work, bursting through the door, let's impact lives today. But that's just not, that's not how it works for me, at least. There's a quote out there. It's like, be the person that you needed when you were, you know, whatever. 18 or 19 or 20. And I've heard that bounce around and things like that. And honestly, so I kind of referenced this earlier. I was not a good manager when I was brand new. In fact, I was a really bad manager when I was brand new. And the reason I was bad is because I tried to be exactly like Mike Cassetta. And I'm just not mm. exactly like him. I don't have the same personality. Right. And I couldn't say the things exactly the way he was saying them and come across the right way. I was coming across the wrong way. I was like, as I said earlier, like holding people accountable to high standards without being a jerk. I didn't learn about that not being a jerk part for like two years of management. (laughs) It was like tough for me and eventually got it down. But I would say like impacting people. I just, you know, I just like getting to know people. I like getting to know their stories. I like showing them a path forward helping them break out of their shell a little bit. I love to see people gain confidence. I love to see people progress. So I don't know. I think a lot of it just has to do with, I, I believe in the opportunity that we have here. I want to share that with people. And I believe in having a, a fully supportive environment. You know, I like to create a good team where people are supportive. I did this exercise about values. And it was actually Kyle Preeman did this with our division before I got promoted at uh, an exercise from the book, Bury My Heart in Conference Room B. I never read the book, but he said it was from it. So that's what I remember. And it's this values exercise going down to your biggest values. And what I, what I got down to was, was fun, integrity, relationships. And I just started looking at, okay, how can I, how can I work and stay true to these values? And, you know, I think, just being a person who can, you know, show up and try to make things fun and have integrity to your word, be a person of your word and focus on the relationships that you have around you. If you could do that, then I think that's a very fulfilling way to live life and could be a great way of impacting others. So it kind of, I would say like, you know, the way I like to impact others is just living life that makes sense to me that, you know, stays true to my values. And I find my values to be positive for other people as well. At least I hope other people perceive it that way, because that's the way I perceive it. But I don't know if that answers your question. But that's, that would be what I say what I kind of focus on. Yeah, I, I love that idea, Justin, of living a life that stays true to your values. That's a theme that I've heard here in multiple of these conversations you know, knowing what your values are and then being able to live in accordance with those. And so you did this exercise that you were inspired by from Kyle Preeman and you identified fun as one of your key values. You identified integrity as one of your key values, relationships, right? So how can you have a business that's built on a foundation of integrity where you develop 
strong personal relationships with people around you and you make it fun, right? While you guys are working hard, right? You yeah. put that all together. And that uh, through living that, you're setting an example for the people on your team and uh, you're living in a way that's true to who you want to be. I like that stuff. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, to piggyback off your question was what made you a vector manager? And that's, I mean, that's what made me a vector manager, but what kept me here and actually led to my triumphant return as a manager is, you know, this is what I tell people. You know, I really like who I am in this company and I like who I continue to become from the influences that I have and almost the permission to live the life true to my values. It's almost like the company gives me a permission to do that. I don't, I don't feel like I need to sacrifice any values for what I do here. And that's something that, that I love. That's really important to me. Wow. That was uh, really powerful. What you just said right there, Justin, that you, you like who you are working here and who you continue to become working here. That's really deep and is definitely worth everybody who's listening thinking about, you know, in the work that you do, right? Who are you being in that work? And who are you becoming through the process of being there with the people that you're around and the, you know, the impact that you're having? Who are you becoming? And when you can feel really good about that, that indicates that you're in a great spot. It's pretty powerful. So you yeah. you left the business for a short time, right? And then you came back? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did. I left. So I was actually, I was recruited. And I mean, we say this all the time that, you know, having Vector on your resume is really powerful. And I just, I found that to be true. <laughs> it's, uh, it's absolutely true. And, you know, as a district manager, I mean, I was getting, you know, when LinkedIn came out, like I was getting LinkedIn messages all the time. I was getting recruiting calls and people to just trying to recruit me into different things. And I, found that I was constantly being recruited and one just really caught my eye. I mean, there, there were a few other people as well and it just was very high paying. It was cool. It was a technology company. So like just seemed cool to sell technology. It seemed like a good step for my career. And honestly, it was cool. Like I, I actually wouldn't say anything bad about it. And I wouldn't even, I'm not even upset that I did it. I mean, looking back on it, it's like, all right, what could I have here if I never left? But it really showed me what I have here. It helped me, you know, clarify those values. And it helped me, you know, feel even better about the decision that I, I made moving forward in my career. And so I, I think it was, you know, just a, an important step in my life, a uh, step away to then show me the step forward. And so, yeah, I, I came back. I mean, I actually, initially, I'm a very proud person. Initially, I was like, I can't go back. It's going backwards, right? And I was talking to Earl Kelly and he, you know, he was like, have you thought about coming back? And I was like, of course I thought about it. And I'm like, but Earl, I, I, I can't come back. Like, it's, you know, I can't, I can't do the thing I've already done. And he was like, why? And I'm like, I, I didn't have a good answer for that. I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, did you like it here? I'm like, yeah, I loved it here. <laughs> and he's like, you, you might want to actually come back. Uh, and so. So I came back and uh, and happy, obviously, very happy I did. So Yeah. Well, it's great that Earl gave you a pathway to come back and made it easy for you. And, you know, you, you mentioned uh, a few moments ago that, like, you can't help but wonder sometimes what might you have if you had never left. Let me put that to ease for you 
and just say that you're in the perfect place now because of everything that has happened. That the path that you've taken since you've been back and you know ascending to become a division manager is probably partially due to the fact that you had greater conviction in the opportunity and greater appreciation for the opportunity after being away for a while. You saw what you wanted here and you've probably made the most of it because of what happened. So I just want to encourage you that, you know, you, you never have to look back with any regrets. You said that you learned some good things and it was valuable to you and that's great. So I think you can yeah. feel good about it. Yeah. I appreciate that perspective. And honestly, I feel like I never left. I mean, I still had previous customers call me and buy stuff uh, that summer. I was like one of the top reps <laughs> for the for the office I was transferred into. And actually, I had a really solid staff. I had seven assistant managers when I left and either four or five of them, I can't remember, opened offices. So I was like working out of an office that was my assistant manager and I was now like just submitting orders for them. And uh, so I kind of feel like I never left. I was still helping people like find their offices and like they were calling me to talk about, you know, how to manage a rep. And it was like, I feel like I was still here, but I wasn't like I was contractually still here as a manager or anything. But but yeah, it was it was an important step in my life for sure. Yeah. Well, that was cool. That was cool. Hey, you referenced the number of your values as a leader. Uh, you also referenced that Michael kind of gave you the seeds for good financial habits. And I know that that's something that you're known as being, you know, a savvy guy financially these days. Tell us more about the development of your financial habits and mindset and just, you know, how you apply that now in your life. Yeah. So my family is amazing. I love, I love my family, but I never really talked money with them. It just wasn't really something that you talk about. And so when, and you, the only lesson I think I would ever learn from my parents is like, save your money, save your money, save your money. And so when I became a manager, I was all focused on saving and I never really thought about investing or the, even the concept of investing and how investing your money is actually spending some money could get you even more money, right? And when it came to the business and you know, hiring even an assistant of how much more I can get from that. I mean, Mike just you know taught me, hey, you're so quick to just just grasp onto your money and hold it so tight. He's like, sometimes you gotta, you gotta be comfortable parting ways with some money because it could get you more. And so he taught me some of that, just like just the the initial step of being comfortable with investing, right? Uh, the, the investing versus saving. And then you know, I, I love how we started teaching Dave Ramsey type stuff, and that. You know, I, I paid off all my credit cards and within like a year of, of that, I got rid of all my student loans because even though I paid for school, I, you know, student loans were, were still pretty big and <laughs> they're on me, but they were there. And so paying all that off as soon as possible and then, you know, looking into other, you know, financial decisions. And this is actually something I love talking about with my people. I wouldn't even say I'm the most financial savvy person, but I've had the pleasure of working with, you know, a Kyle Preeman and, and Mike Cassetta and just great people, you know, that I get to learn from, you know, financially. And so now I just, everything that I have learned, I'm like, oh man, if, if only I started implementing this when I was 18, 19, 20, 21. So, you know, I'm talking all my people, I'm like, when are you going to open a Roth IRA, right? Like when, when are you going to open an investment account and are you saving money or is it just a, you know, like so many people on my team, they're like, oh, I have a savings account. I have a savings account. I'm like, well, do you have a checking account? They're like, yeah. I'm like, do you have a savings account? They're like, yeah. I'm like, what happens when your checking account gets low? They're like, 
I take money out of my savings account. I'm like, well, then it's not a savings account. It's I'm going to spend that later account. You know, and I'm like, because these are all the things I did in college. I get it. Right. And uh, so I, I would say like that, you know, financially, those are kind of some of the things that that I learned and I just want to implement and have people just make savvy financial decisions, even at a young age or whatever age they're at now. Yeah. That's cool. And what has this opened up for you and your family in the way of lifestyle, financial resources? Yeah, it's been cool. I mean, I would also say marrying my wife, Kristen, great financial move. I am a spender. She is a saver. She has taught me frugality for sure. Uh, and she is an amazing woman in many ways, that being one of them. And by the way, the saving versus investing, what Mike had to do with me, I actually kind of had to do that with Kristen a little bit, of like getting comfortable with investing. We bought our, our first investment property. So we own our, our house. We bought our first investment property. We're shopping around. I made like three offers, but real estate's so crazy right now. So, you know, it's been it's been really cool seeing us and being able to build portfolios that are diversified, not only from stocks and, you know, my wife's Roth IRA and, you know, I'm incorporated now. So I have my own 401k and things like that and in adding real estate to it, you know, just being in a good place financially, it just allows you to, you know, going back to like staying true to my values when, when you don't have to worry about money, you can focus on the way you show up. Hey, right? cause when I was first starting, like I literally had like $32 in my bank account when I became a representative. And I was like, I never want to be in this position again for the rest of my life. <laughs> so that actually kind of motivated me as a sales rep. I was never really nervous to do anything just because like the payoff just seemed way more important to me. And then so it's definitely a great opportunity to make money as a sales representative, but learning how to use that money and make sure that you don't just go in a cycle of making money, spending money. That was a really big step for me. Yeah, there's definitely a mindset shift that somebody has to make that gets them out of that practice of just, well, when my checking account is low, I'll just take money from my savings, right? It's like, there's a mindset that you're putting something away that's for your future, right? And my mentors always taught me, pay yourself first. And that was the whole idea, right? Is that you're first putting away savings, right? Jim Rohn says, rich people save first, then spend what's left, right? He's like, poor people spend first and save what's left, but there's nothing left. And so that whole mindset was key. And so you've adopted that mindset. You've been able to accumulate retirement savings. I'm sure you have other cash and savings. You own your home. You've got your first rental property working on another one now. That's a great building process that has happened for you at a relatively young age that's setting you on an awesome track. So congratulations on all that. That sounds really cool. Thank you. Yeah, the, yeah. the lessons you just referenced remind me of the richest man in Babylon. I, I have that on audio tape and I would listen to that over and over. I probably listened to it 20 times. Akrod, <laughs> learning uh, yeah. how to become the richest man in Babylon. The seven cures for a lean purse. Yeah, yep. that's a, a, great, uh, a great section in there. And that was certainly one of the first financial planning books that I read way back in the day. So that's a great one to start with if you're someone new trying to learn more about building wealth. Uh, jump on that one, The Richest Man in Babylon. Justin, what are you excited to build in your Western New England division? Just a squad. I mean, I, there's there's no better way of putting it than a squad. But you know, in terms of the, the values, we have an acronym that uh, was adopted from my values. 
in Western New England. We're called the Pioneer Division, stemmed from like the Pioneer Valley of Western Massachusetts. And in the Pioneer Division, I mean, we talk a lot about bringing the fire and fire is our acronym. So like I mentioned earlier, fun, integrity, relationships, and E stands for emotional intelligence. It's something I think is really important and one that I believe people really develop in a position like this, especially when they're well-supported. Now, I think if people are trained properly, supported well, surrounded by positive people, you know, and the way I describe these is like fun, you know, people will notice that we like to bring a fun element to everything that we do. And I like working with positive people. It's always, you know, a better experience for everyone when they're having fun. I expect people to bring their best energy to, to events. You know, integrity, we talk about being a person of integrity is not just following through on our word, but also how we treat other people. I think the way you treat other people is really important. And I like working with people who want to do right by others, which also piggybacks into building positive relationships. And the way we describe that is, you know, I like working with team players. I like working with people who want to support other people. We have group chats and group me's and any chance we can get together. And we look forward to getting together because people are working with others who actually care about them and building and developing deep relationships, even past their time working in vectors. Some people move on and, you know, they're, they're still part of our squad. And, and, you know, I love working with people who care about others and emotional intelligence or emotional strength or however you want to put that. Yeah, you know, I just think people often need to be challenged to bring the best out of themselves. Sometimes they need to be challenged to reveal themselves, to learn how to improve. And I think a position like this one puts people in a, in a position where they get thick skin from hearing no from customers or, you know, learning to challenge themselves. You know, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that Mike Cassetta would quote to me, I don't know who he got this from, uh, I don't think it was an original, but you know, it's like if you're if you're hard on yourself, life is easy on you, and if you're easy on yourself, life is hard on you. So, I'd like to think that the people in my division learn to make choices that will improve their lives by trusting that their effort pays off. And you know, there's another quote that we say all the time: "If you do the right things, the right things will always happen." Right? It kind of it's it's kind of like the Hal Elrod miracle equation. The miracle equation from hell, it's kind of like that. Like if you, you trust yourself that if you're doing the right things, the right things always happen. And so I like to think my squad realizes, hey, if I put in the work, it's going to be paid off. Sometimes it's not in the timeline that I want it to be paid off in. But I love working with people. I love having a great squad. I'm excited about building our team. And I'll tell you, Dan, I, I believe we have some of the most talented representatives, not only like regionally, but but nationally and, and managers and up and coming managers. And, you know, I love the people that I work with. They're, they're like a second family to me. And so I'm excited to, to continue working with great people and making a positive impact in their lives the way that my life has been impacted. Yeah. Well, well said, Justin. I think you really summarized the theme of this podcast, which is about changing lives. And you said that you want to help people learn to make choices that will improve their lives. That's one of the greatest things I think any of us can do as a leader. We're not going to be able to do the work for other people. We're not going to be able to force those choices, but we can inspire those choices by how we live. When you live with the values of fire that you described, right? Fun, integrity, relationships, emotional intelligence, when you set that as the example for people and you help them to understand how to apply 
those sorts of values. You're giving them a chance to improve their own lives. And that's what really we're all about here in Cutco Vector. And it's great to see you leading the way with that and setting such a positive example. And I'm really excited to see what the future holds for you and what you'll create there in, in your organization, man. It's going to be fun. Thanks. Yeah, we're, we're having fun. We're having fun. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks so much for being part of the podcast today, Justin. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, Justin Ludwig, everyone. I, I think it's really cool to think about how he was not a positive person when he came into Vector and he had to learn how to adapt certain elements of his personality in order to have a more positive influence and impact on other people. And when I think about this, one of the most valuable lessons I think is the idea of a past versus a future orientation. And this is a great lesson for anybody to take home today. A past orientation is where somebody's always focused on what has already happened. Why did you do that? Pointing out stuff that's wrong. A future orientation would be Instead of saying, why did you do that? Would be to say, hey, next time when we encounter this, let's try to do it this way. A future orientation is looking for improvement solutions. It's a very subtle difference, but it makes a huge difference in how we are received as people. I loved hearing Justin share the impact of Michael Cassetta in his life. And the greatest compliment he could provide was where he said, you know, I've told Mike, I'm proud to know you. I'm proud to know you. And if there's leaders in your life who you're proud to know, let them know. Let them know because it has a powerful impact. But then more importantly, think about how you can be the kind of person that other people would say that about. For Justin, he had to learn. He started out wanting to be like Michael, but he had to learn to be himself. And a key part of that is identifying your values. What are you all about? What do you stand for? Right? For Justin, it was fun integrity, relationships. He added in later the emotional intelligence piece. What do you stand for? Who do you want to be? How are you reflecting that for the people that are in your organization? That was a very powerful lesson that came out of this for me. And I also enjoyed when Justin was talking about developing good financial habits, the comment that when your financial habits are under control, You can focus on the way you show up in your day-to-day life because you're not constantly worried about paying a bill or just getting by. That was powerful as well. Justin ended by sharing that you know he wishes to help people make choices that will improve their lives. And I think that's a great way to wrap this one up today. That's what we do as leaders. We try to set a positive example for people. We try to share ideas with them. We try to expose them to others who emulate the qualities that they would want to emulate someday. And we help them make choices along a path that moves them in what is hopefully a positive direction so that their lives are improved and they're always getting more of what they want in their life and they're helping others to do the same. That's what we try to do here as leaders in our organization. And hopefully that's what all of you can do wherever you are, whether it's in Cutco or not. Thanks everybody for listening today. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. 
For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.